0: Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. So that uh, picture back there is David, and David's got a harp. And David is certainly, I looked at it, the most handsome of the young people along there. And in fact, the Bible calls him ruddy and handsome. And this window is dedicated to the music for our church. And after you hear the story of David you just heard and what I'm going to talk about now, do you really think they should change the title to another title? Uh, But it's here under the title of music. So if you ever come across people who say, let's get back to the Bible for our family values on marriage. (laughs) Run like hell. Or say, how about reading the Bible? Because when you hear this story of David, you are clearly going to see this is someone you may not want to look to for that part of your life. David is the most flawed and complex personality in the entire Bible. The most flawed and complex person in the entire Bible. It's one big, messy, wonderful story if you had ears to hear. And if you look at David's life, we you know little tidbits. If you were lucky enough or sad enough to be in Sunday school, you know some of the stories. But it begins with his family of origin, and maybe it all goes back to our family of origin that shapes us. Here's the deal, when King Saul was looking for someone who could soothe him by offering music and comfort to his weary soul, he was asked by God to go and find someone and goes to Jesse's house. And so when Saul goes to Jesse's house, he says, do you have any people in your house that could help me? He says, well, I got seven sons, brings them all out, goes through all seven until comes to the end and Saul says, anybody left? Well, there's one that's not here. He's out in the field. That's that's, uh, David. Go get him. So sure enough, David comes wandering in, whistling, bringing all the sheep with him as he comes. And uh, Saul says, this is the one that I choose. He goes, the one that was overlooked is suddenly chosen. Maybe it all goes back to David being overlooked. But then if you fast forward a bit, you know the story of David and Goliath. David is the one who takes down the Philistine giant with one slingshot, what a great Sunday school class that was as we all made our slingshots ready to be David. Or flip by about 2,000 or 4,000 years actually and you come to Malcolm Gladwell who looks at David as a great leader, as he looks at uh, the leadership of, um, of David. David was the king for, the four, for 40 years, the longest reigning king of Israel. He is also the head of the lineage of both the Jewish and the Christian tradition. If you're awake on Christmas here, Eve, you'll hear how Jesus is linked to King David, the one out of the shoot of Jesse. He is indeed the one who offers music, the one who, when King Saul is wrestling and can't sleep at night, is brought in to play the harp to soothe him in the middle of the night, just as I bring my cats upon my chest to soothe me. David was a poet. He is attributed to all the psalms in our Bible. If you flip your Bible open to the middle, it's the psalms, the songs, Those beautiful songs that we just sang, the 23rd psalm, is written by David. Or if you're a skier, 121, I look to the hills, from whence does my help come? Or if you come on Good Friday, the words out of Jesus' mouth in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or if you come on Easter morning and Psalm 100 is read make a joyful noise all the Lord enter God's courts with singing or perhaps the one Psalm you know by heart be still and know that I am God or Psalm 51 that probably comes right from the depth of David's heart create in me a clean heart You see, this person, David, who is, if you were doing his funeral, and I said to the family, who was he? These would be the words that would come forward. He was a poet, a musician, a shepherd. He was flawed. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was loving. He was conniving. He was a leader. He was bold. He was fierce. He was gentle, tenacious, and brazen. All of these words, but I wonder if they would tell the story that you just heard Andrea read. Would they tell the story of David? The story is quite simple and quite wonderful and could be drawn into a great pornographic movie. Here's the story. He has sent his soldiers out. And David decides to stay in Jerusalem. After he has bathed himself and is sipping on his wine, he overlooks his kingdom, and he sees a beautiful woman. And there she is naked and bathing. Her name is Bathsheba. He asks for her to be co- to come to him, so he sends a soldier to bring her to him they have sex the bible said they went to bed but i'm sure they didn't sleep <laughs> carried on she is sent home and returns later to say that she is pregnant and david is utterly shocked and says hmm i wonder what your husband uriah let when uriah comes back bring him to me and so when uriah comes back they have a little conversation david offers them some wine and says you've done an amazing job go home and sleep no have sex with your wife But but Uriah going says, how can I possibly do this? All of my other soldiers are out there fighting. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sleep right here. And he sleeps at the entrance of the palace. When David finds out this, he's totally horrified. This isn't going to conceal the pregnancy. So he calls his admiral and says, okay, this time do him in and do him in good. And so it sends Uriah back out. So he's standing there totally naked and is killed. When he hears that Uriah has been killed, he then sends again for Bathsheba. She becomes his wife. They have a child, but God is not pleased and kills that child. There's the story. But if we continued along a little bit, there's a guy named Nathan who's a prophet who comes. He's horrified at what David says and says, David, let me tell this vision that I had. I had this, there's a vision of a man who was very rich. And a visitor comes to town, and so when he wants to feed him, goes and rips off a sheep from a poor person, has it slaughtered, and feeds its family. And David goes, that's ridiculous, how hypocritical, how awful that is. That guy should be hung. And Nathan says, that man is you. Now, the trick with this story is, when Nathan says, that man is you, he might as well be saying to say, that man is us. We can sit in our lofty place and shine our own halo and put our shoulders back, but the truth of this story is that man is you should really say that man is us. You see, all of us are deeply flawed. All of us have light and dark. All of us have good and bad. All of us have sin and sinner all of us are hypocrites all of us judge and compare one to the other all of us have great gossip about one another that we share in the world and i'm not saying that as judgment but as true beauty at the human flawlessness or flawedness of all of us when this text came up i had to reach out to my rabbi friend mark and i said rabbi how do i make sense of this story i can't interview you two weeks in a row He said, David is a deeply flawed person, just like we are. And God calls us just like God called David. In our flawedness, God redeems each and every one of us. In our flawedness, God redeems each and every one of us. And it's not unlike Psalm 139, my favorite psalm. Oh God, you've searched me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I make my bed in heaven, you are there. And still when I awake, you are still with me. You see, the truth of this story is, this is our story. David is us. As James Finley says, God protects us from nothing and is present in everything. In 1982, when I was wondering whether or not I should be a minister, I kind of felt called, but I wasn't so sure. I went and I met with a friend who had already studied theology. And I said to her, I said, Ann, I don't know, I want to be a minister, but I just don't feel good enough. Here I was at 22, not feeling good enough. She smiled and she said to me, I hate to tell you, but it's not about you. What do you mean it's not about me? She said, it's not about you, it's about God. And the truth of the story is, it isn't about us, it's about God. God doesn't love us because we are good. God loves us because God is good. A few weeks ago, the rabbi said to us, you know, all these commandments, but the most important one is don't covet. He said, when we we covet others or what they have, we are simply saying, I'm not enough. We are not enough. And he said to us, You know, when we know we are enough and we have enough, we don't need to covet because we trust we are enough in our enoughness. And so every week when I say to you, We are loved, forgiven, and set free. Sometimes those are the most gracious words, sometimes they are the hardest words to accept, but nonetheless, they are truth. God's word to us, we are loved, we are forgiven, and we are set free. We are enough already. There's a story, an Indian story, about a man who's going down a road, and he hears over the edge a person who's in deep pain, and he looks down over the edge, and he sees a man who's got his hand in the bottom of a banyan tree where a scorpion has been stuck in the roots, and it, he's reaching in to try to get the scorpion out, and the man laughs at him and says, why are you doing that? That's a scorpion, it's stinging you. He says, just because it is the nature of the scorpion to sting does not mean I should change my nature, which is to save. Just as it is our nature to sting does not change God's nature, which is to save us. Barbara Brown Taylor says these words, God does not turn away from us, God sends us prophets like Nathan to wake us up, to tell stories that show us who we really are. If we are lucky enough to feel our hearts split in two, then we may find that even the death sentences we have pronounced on ourselves are lifted because of the recognition of sin is at the beginning and the end of it. The moment we know we are lost and say out loud, God can hear us, find us, and take us home that indeed is the truth of our story we indeed are sinners i hate to say we missed the mark we fall short we failed turns his life dreams and decisions into the maxims of cautionary advice that we find in the book of proverbs or the book of ecclesiastes I think that sooner or later, every life bends one way or the other, Solomon or David, or both, toward the morality or the music. Aging eventually reveals the contents of our heart. Will it be scolding, or will it be song? thanks so much for tuning in to hillhurst united church the podcast if you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow we're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon leave us a review in itunes or send us an email at communications at HillhurstUnited.com. we'd love to hear from you